This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the 100th episode of the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm joined as always by Richard. Good to have you with it's us, Richard. It's good to be with you, Sam, live and on video. Exactly. We had a, a bit of a technical difficulty in the beginning, but I think we've got it figured out now. Um, I'll look back at our technical guru, uh, yeah. making sure everything's... Who's in charge of that anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's fired. <laughs> um, so a couple of quick things uh, we want to mention. Um, we are giving away the Spiritual Leadership, or a copy of the Spiritual Leadership, which is a book that Richard wrote with his dad several years ago, and uh, it's really kind of been an, an impetus for this podcast and for a lot of what you do on leadership uh, comes out of there. So it's a, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Leave us a comment, and we will pick from the comments uh, uh, one lucky winner that is in the U.S., <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, mail that out to you as soon as possible. Maybe even get Richard to sign it for you. We'll see uh, if we can twist his arm. Um, the other thing um, that I'll mention before we get started uh, is um, questions. questions. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> the, because uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, uh, sorry you can't write your questions in live. This will just be a recording. But if you're watching right now, send us your questions. We'll try and answer those live if we uh, if we have time yeah. and uh, as, as we go. And uh, we, we just love to hear from you. Send us your comments. Send us your questions. And we'll, we'll answer those as we go through. Um, but today we're looking at uh, the five viewpoints of leaders. And Richard, this is a, um, uh, a blog actually that you wrote um, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought we would, it's, this would be a good time to sort of unpack that a little bit more sure. and um, tell us just sort of some of those insights that you've, you've found on leadership uh, through the years. And I do have a blog site that I put blogs on that we'll put in the show notes if you'd like to read the whole uh, blog or other leadership yeah. blogs as well. If you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is a leadership podcast, and we've been trying to address leadership issues, as you know, if you've been listening in. And uh, I thought it would be uh, an interesting discussion here in our 100th uh, podcast to talk about the five viewpoints of leaders, because I think that the way that leaders view things is different than the way other people see things. And uh, in some ways, that's almost like their superpower. A leader walks in uh, on the shop floor or walks into the office, and they see things that other people would walk right by and not even notice. And I remember when I first became the sem- uh, president of a seminary, I arrived at the very beginning of August. Uh, it's, it's kind of the dead time of the year. Classes will be beginning uh, about a month later. And uh, people were, had been on vacation and uh, working on various projects and so on. And uh, and so I arrive, and I'm not trying to find anything wrong. I'm not trying to check up on anybody's work. I'm just walking around just kind of seeing the lay of the land as the new boss on the premises. Right. And uh, I get there, and and I see the I get to the parking lot, and there's these like three-foot-high thistle bushes that are just overtaking the edge of the parking lot. And there's all kinds of big weeds uh, growing and thriving up against the edges of the, the sides of the buildings. And it just looks hideous. And there were uh, maintenance uh, people that uh, were hired by the seminary to take care of things, but uh, none of them had an eye for aesthetics. They had an eye for fixing tractor engines. And so they would happily work all day on uh, tractor engines and those kinds of repairs, which needed to be done. 
but they wouldn't even notice the fact that the place was being overrun with weeds and unattractive garbage collecting against the, the sides of the building. And, of course, the school has got people coming to visit to decide if they want to be a student there or not, and they're coming on this property and being very under-impressed with what, what the appearance of the place. And so I remember walking in and just thinking to myself, and starting to ask some of the staff, like, how could you just walk right by this day after day? How could you not want to fix this or clean this up? And, uh, and well, you're starting to sound like my wife. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we won't go there because <laughs> we're on camera here. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I realized was there when you're a leader, you can't afford to just walk right by stuff and not notice things. And. And it's really kind of your job uh, to see things that perhaps uh, other people, they're in their silo. They're working away on their very specific projects, and they don't necessarily see the, the big picture like the leader has to. So uh, I just realized that there were at least five perspectives that a leader had to have, five different pairs of glasses, if you will, that mm -hmm. a leader needs to put on at various times uh, in their leadership and, and so I thought we'd just walk through those uh, in the next uh, few moments, and perhaps it'll spark some questions that, uh, that uh, people watching in today would like to submit. The first uh, perspective is I just call the 30,000-foot view. And, of course, that's referring to the view from the air. When you're on an airplane looking down from 30,000 feet, uh, you, you see the big picture. Uh, right. You see how things are in relationship to one another. I, I used when I uh, for five years I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, <clears throat> beautiful city. Uh, it was a beautiful place to live, uh, and I flew in and out of a regional airport, <clears throat> and I actually just lived about six miles from the airport. And so uh, when I would be, be coming into land or taking off, I'd be flying right over my neighborhood and the 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 parks in the area and the schools in the area, the shopping centers. And uh, every time I'd be coming in, I'd be looking out the window and getting perspective. And I'd, be, I'd realize, wait a minute, I could get to the airport faster. If I, I didn't know that there was that back road there. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see that till I was up in the air looking down. And, uh, and that looks like a really nice park. I had no idea it was so close to where I live. And uh, and I and I realized, wow! Look at all the traffic on that road. I in, in, in rush hour, I, I can see how I could avoid that if I went this way. And just getting up high and looking down, you see things differently than when you're on the ground driving right. down those same roads. And um, and and a leader has got to do that. Now, other people who are maybe in charge of fixing tractor engines. They don't necessarily have to get up 30,000 feet and see how they're fixing this tractor affects uh, the bottom line and the fundraising campaigns and the student enlistment campaigns or whatever else. They just want to get this engine fixed. But, but somebody has to see how fixing this engine also links with staffing issues over here and building a new building over there and all the other different issues uh, related. I, I remember at one point when I was a seminary president, we, we built a, a second building, a primary building. And so we, we more than doubled our, our uh, building space. And we put all of our academic uh, people into one building and we put uh, all the administrative people in another building and we put a, a causeway, it was, the, the, the two buildings were physically connected. You never had to go outside to get from one to the other. 
But I'll tell you what, it's true. I think it was maybe uh, Winston Churchill who said our architecture uh, determines our culture. And you, hmm. the kind of buildings you build, whether it's a up high and you've got the top execs in the very top floor uh, or you have separate buildings, some with a nice view of uh, the mountains and others of the parking lot, yeah. it, it changes culture. And all of a sudden I begin to hear people talking about how, well, we don't know what goes on in that building over there. We don't know what you're doing. And it's like, well, you're, you could walk here in two minutes, but uh, why don't you know? And you've got two different cultures, two different yeah. approaches to things. And, and you began, I began to realize I've got good people, but they're in, just by separation of two buildings, uh, I've got two different cultures uh, developing. And I've got to be above that. I've got to see both buildings, how everything's connected, and hold it all together. And so just a word to leaders, uh, there are times where you've got to step back from the day-to-day grind, and you've got to, you got to get up higher and look down and say, how do all these different departments and staff and personnel and projects, how do they all fit together into one whole? Yeah, and I think, you know, something along with that is, is actually making the time to, to take that step back. Yeah. I think a, a lot of people can, you know, myself included, is you get so busy doing and, and in that grind that it, you know, you know, well, we don't have time to really think, is this the right direction overall? Because we've got to meet these deadlines and so yeah. forth. And so I think making the time to do that is, is, is key, really. Yeah. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is that the urgent uh, constantly pulls us back into just specifics and, and certain details. And and we don't have that time just to pull away and then just see the whole picture uh, unfold in front of us. And someone's got to have the big picture, and that has to be the leader. Yeah. Who, When people come and say, well, why are we doing this? Why do we even care about that? Well, let me let me tell you the big picture. Uh, you know, we at the seminary, we had people during the summer that would plant flower beds. We had a greenhouse where all these flowers are getting prepared ahead of time. And, uh, and sometimes people could say, well, why do we do this? Why are we out here digging all these flowers into the ground and so on? But I would say, but you don't know the enlistment office that takes prospective students through. Mm-hmm. And when they walk by and see all these beautiful flower beds, it looks so attractive and, and it makes our school look so appealing or donors who come and they see how well we take care of this place. And uh, this, you're just worried about keeping these flowers uh, surviving these late frosts. <laughs> uh, but But I know the enlistment people. I know the donor people. And I know that these flowers over here are tied into everything else we're doing and they have an important role. And, uh, so the leader has got to know how everything fits together. And that comes from backing up and, and looking down. But that's not the only thing the leader has to know. No, wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, not only do you have the 30,000 foot view, but, uh, you also, I, I, I say you have to have a future view. That is, you can't just look at the organization in terms of what's happening today. Every time you look at the organization, you also have to have the future in the backdrop. Uh, not where, just where are we today, but where are we going? And if we keep doing this activity uh, day after day, where will that take us? One day we're going to get up in the morning and realize we've, we've arrived somewhere. Well, if we'd been paying attention, if we'd had a future view, we would have known where we were going to arrive. Uh, scripture says in Galatians chapter 5 that uh, you, will, you will reap what you sow. And so if day after day you keep sowing one thing, 
you can't be surprised when you reap the same thing. And, and that's what yeah. leaders do. And again, there's a lot of people that all they care about is today. I just want to be happy today. Um, you see this in churches a lot. Uh, you, you may have an, an aging congregation that says, well, we just like singing the hymns. We just like singing the music we grew up with. Uh, why can't we just do that? And so if you're a leader who d- is not future-oriented, you might just say, well, okay, the important thing is to keep my people happy, so we'll just we'll keep singing what they like. We'll, we won't change anything that they don't want to change. We'll just keep it the same way it was when they were growing up and going to church in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Well, that, that keeps everything fine today, but if, you, if you're future-oriented, you realize, wait a minute, everybody who's coming to our church, church services is gray or white-haired or no-haired, uh, but where is this going to take us? Uh, if, if we don't reach, now right now we still have a half, we're, we're about half full auditorium, a third full. We can still pay our bills. So it's not pressing. It's not a crisis, but, but the trends, the trajectory suggests that five, six, 10 years later, uh, we're going to be so small and so old and so in such debt at this point that it'll be too late for us. So leaders have got to always be looking ahead. And you'll always have naysayers who will say, but we like it this way. Well, that's great. But you won't like it this way when there's only you and half a dozen people left because we didn't make any changes to adjust to the future. Mm. And so leaders are always kind of looking ahead to say, well, yeah, this activity right now is okay. But if we keep doing this activity, where will it take us? What will, what will the result be down the road? Because we just kept doing this same activity. Hmm. Well, that's that's great. Um, that's not all you have. <laughs> yeah, there's more still. So the third one, and this is a little bit controversial, actually. It's called uh, leaders have to have an organizational view. That is, they've got to be looking at the organization itself to realize uh, how do we keep this healthy? How do we keep it strong? Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, sometimes what happens is, and we're going to get to the uh, to talking about people here next, but sometimes we could be so focused on keeping people happy that we create a weak organization, mm. uh, an organization that um, that is getting out of date, that is financially getting into trouble, that's losing its vitality. Um, and we And I know organizations that try really hard for instance, to take really good of the, good care of their people. And so I'm, I'm going to give you a real real practical uh, example. I, I know organizations that every year they will just automatically give you a cost of living increase in your wages. Now, you may not have necessarily done a good job. You, it, it's not a... It's not because uh, you're just getting rewarded just, for you just good kept service. That, you kept that seat for one, one you, more you year. You were there a whole year, so we're going to give you a 5% increase uh, in uh, your wages. Well, so you've got staff maybe in the clerical pool, uh, and office staff, and now they've been there for 30 years, uh, 35, 40 years. And uh, they're, they're getting quite dated now. They, they, they can't handle the new software programs. Uh, uh, but... They've gotten these increases year by year, and now they're being way overpaid for what mm. they actually do. They're, they're being paid a huge salary because they've been there a long time, not because they bring the most value to an organization. And, uh, and, and, and many of you, I'm sure, have been in that place. Maybe it's the church secretary who's been there 40 years and a lovely woman, great prayer warrior, but um, it's just easier now for you just to do the work yourself than to try to get her to figure this out on the internet. 
And, uh, you know, she, it's just beyond her. But she's got an increase in pay for 40 years in a row. And uh, now she's getting paid about as much as the pastor is. <laughs> and, uh, and you can't afford to hire a younger, uh, more gifted person that's, that's up to speed on software programs because uh, you pay so much money into someone who's not doing a very good job anymore. Um, and, of course, with COVID-19 taking place, there are a lot of organizations that wrestled with this to say, well, we've got to take care of our people. We've got to keep our people on. We don't want to lose any of our people, which is all noble. But uh, if you go bankrupt as an organization because you paid so much and you were so generous, uh, then everybody is unemployed. Now, nobody has an income, including you. And so sometimes we can we can be so focused on people and being generous and and helping our blessing our people and giving this away free and giving this away free and raising everybody's pay and paying way above the going rate that uh, one day we realize we we just we can't afford to to, to make payroll anymore where we've got too many high priced people that are not producing at the level we're paying. Uh, and you, what's, what's happened is you have focused on your people, but you've neglected the organization. And now you've got an organization rife with uh, practices and expenses and obligations that you can't, you can't meet. It's not practical. Uh, and so the leader, uh, of course, there's always people that are going to come and say, um, well, could we just buy this? Could we just give this? This, is, this guy could really use the encouragement. Let's, uh, let's give him a promotion. But the leader's got to look at the whole organization to say, but if we keep doing this five years from now, uh, where will we, will we have such a huge payroll that we can't, we, we just can't meet it anymore. Um, and I had a guy one time come to me and he wanted to buy a new tractor for the seminary and uh, just think what this could do. And, and it'd be so much easier and faster and, uh, and more efficient and less breakdowns. And well, how much will it cost? Well, it was a lot of money <laughs> and it's like, well, <clears throat> you have a tractor. Doesn't that get the job done? Yeah. But it would be so much nicer in this tractor. Uh, and their attitude was kind of like, if, if as the president, you just agree to spend the money, they don't have to worry about where the money comes from. They yeah. don't have to worry about the fact that you can't, you have no money now for marketing or you have no money to improve the student housing or other things because all they care about is they got what they wanted. Yeah. And of course, when you've got an organization filled with people who all want what they want for their job and their area, again, they need someone who sees the whole organization and says, well, I, I want to give you what you really need, but I've got to, to to weigh all of the needs of this organization and make sure that I don't get so over leaning in one direction that uh, this part of the the organization is is hurting terribly. Well, and I, I imagine too that that with with anything in leadership, there's a balance there. Yeah. Because if you're too organizational focused, then then you do end up treating your people as as just you know widgets in a machine right and uh, when it stops working you replace it with something else like you would parts on a tractor yeah um so i guess is striking that balance uh i would say seems to be pretty important so that you're not you're not uh just just sort of coddling your people and but you're also not you know being a taskmaster necessarily right Right. And that's why, you know, the fifth or the fourth one is to have a people view, which is you do focus on people as well. You have to see them. And 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 
successful leaders tend to be people that have the, they have their pulse beat of the people. They know successful leaders get the best out of their people. They get a lot of performance out of their, a lot of results. Uh, but they also know when they pushed as hard as they can. They know when their people need to catch their breath, when they need a break. Um, and, and, you know, I would say, and this sounds really harsh and sounds almost Scrooge-like, but, but most organizations do not exist for the staff. You don't set up an organization to say, okay, now we can employ all these staff and pay them well. Uh, you set up organizations, companies that have a mission, have a purpose. Uh, if it's a company for profit, it's profits. The people that invest their money want profits to come back out. Uh, they're happy to take care of the people, the staff, but it, but that it doesn't exist for the staff. Sometimes churches can do that. Churches think that the church exists for the people uh, instead of to reach the people, to serve God, uh, to be on mission with God. It's like, no, this is our church, so it's about us and just what will make us happy. But I would say, no, organizations have a purpose. They have a mission. And as a leader, you, you want to, you, you say these, we hire people, we, we enlist volunteers to accomplish a mission. But the people aren't the mission. The staff are not the mission. They accomplish the mission. So that's why I say you have to, you, you have to make sure the organization is healthy to accomplish the mission. Right. But at the same time, you also do have to have an eye on the people because if your people are all burning out and quitting and underperforming, then uh, the wheels are going to come off and you're never going to achieve the mission. Exactly. So, so you've got you to have an eye on people as well. And sometimes, you know, and there's the balance. Sometimes people are so people-oriented that the leader's got to say, yeah, but what about the organization? Sometimes you've got people that are all like, we got to push and push and push and we got to get all this stuff done. And then the leader's got to come back and say, yeah, but I see people are burning out. I see people getting really short with each other in the staff meetings. I, I, we're getting a lot of uh, sickness and, and uh, illnesses right now. I just feel like people are, are, are being worn out. And uh, so then a, then a leader comes back and says, well, then let's, um, let's ease off the gas pedal here. Let's, uh, why don't we give a bone? Let's do something. I, again, I remember when I was running a school at a certain point, uh, uh, just realizing we had gone through a whole accreditation process and, uh, and people have been working really hard and we were recruiting students and, and building buildings and we got to the end of the year and uh, I, I kind of looked to see what we could afford as far as a, a, a bonus. We didn't have a lot of money left over. We'd spent a lot of money that year and on the organization, but I just said, you know, we could, we could write people a check, but um, I, I, I'd, I'd love just to do something really special for these folks that they wouldn't normally get to do. And so we put a bunch of money in. I personally put a bunch of money in and we took all the staff to a beautiful hotel up in the in, in Banff in the Rocky Mountains and we had a really really wonderful uh, time up there and uh, had special entertainment everybody was laughing and just having a great time we had gifts for everybody and it was just very very memorable and everybody just felt like you know what as tiring and exhausting as that year was what a great way to end the year and we were laughing we're celebrating god's been good uh, but as a leader, you're sort of watching that to say, are, are we taking care of our people? If we can pay more, if we can provide a benefit, we ought to. Yeah. Uh, but that's the, not the only way to, to take care of your people is yeah. strictly salary. Well, and I think sometimes, you know, you can kind of get into that trap where it's all, you're, all it is is about money. And it's like, right. well, everybody kind of lives for the year-end bonus or the year-end uh, increase in pay. 
And uh, I think it becomes just very mechanical. Uh, and if that's all you're doing, uh, then they're going to be looking around all the time to say, well, who will pay me more? Uh, there's there's got to be more to it. Uh, a, a genuine concern for your people and their well-being, uh, the the work environment. There's a lot to it. Uh, when when you see people just barking at each other, snapping at each other, uh, a leader intervenes and says, "Okay, I don't like where this is going. I don't like the culture." Uh, if you're a pastor of a church and you've got a bunch of bickering in a business meeting, or you've got a bunch of people complaining and criticizing. Uh, you've got to step in and say, I'm concerned about where the people are right now. And uh, as a leader, it's up to me to address that and and, and help the people catch a vision, uh, maybe just spend some time with some of the, the, the complainers and listen to what they're concerned about. But I, I, I've got to address this and not let it fester and uh, be unattended. Yeah, well, if you're just joining us, this is the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. We're live on YouTube our first ever, and uh, we're just so happy to have you with us. Yeah. And uh, before we uh, wrap up here, we've got one more point of view that a leader should have. Um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning when it normally comes out, uh, we'll maybe try and do this again, and, and hopefully you can join us then as well. And uh, so, Richard, what is the, before we wrap up here, what is the, the last viewpoint uh, of a leader? Well, that's why I just I, I just describe it heaven's view or God's view, and uh, that is, do you see things the way God does? Do you see your organization the way God sees it? Uh, sometimes we can uh, just wade in with all the busyness and activity, and uh, and we don't stop to say, but how does God view this? Uh, I've I've known even sometimes churches that. Uh, might per- perhaps build a new building. And they thought, wow, God must really be pleased with us. Uh, we've just built this brand new facility. We've got it uh, two-thirds paid for already. It's the biggest auditorium on this side of the river in our city. And uh, just think how, how, how much glory to God it brings. And yet uh, there's been all kinds of fighting and bickering and hurt feelings. And uh, a third of your church members have actually left the church uh, because they've been so upset at the process. And and uh, a leader's got to look at that and say, well, yeah, the building got built, but I don't think that we honored God the way we did it. Uh, right. th- there's a way to do things that brings glory to God as well. And and a leader's got to look at that and say, uh, yeah, we, we may be getting these results, but uh, does that please God? Is that what God focuses on? Uh, and uh, sometimes it's the way uh, people are interacting with one another, Um and, and sometimes it's just about being God-focused uh, as an organization, especially if you're a church or you're a Christian nonprofit. Um, you've got to be asking your people and talking about, well, what God is doing. Um, my dad, when he wrote Experiencing God, was always saying, uh, even Christians oftentimes are not God-focused. They're self-centered. They're, mm. they're talking about, well, what can we afford? What do we like? What do we want? But not what does God want? What pleases God? What's he doing? Uh, what's he trying to accomplish? Uh, and that's a world of difference. And so a, a leader does not just take a pull. In fact, I've often said in this podcast, uh, if you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. Yeah. And so when a leader asks people, well, what do you think? Or what would you like to see? Uh, what do you think we should do? That oftentimes is the wrong question. The right question, certainly in a Christian organization, would be, 
as you've been praying and seeking God's direction, what do you sense God wants us to do? Where do you sense God is leading us? That's a whole different uh, perspective. And you'll always have people in the organization who say, well, I just think, and, and as a leader, sometimes you have to stop and say, well, that's not, that's not the question I asked. I didn't ask what you thought. I asked, what do you sense God thinks about this? Uh, and I'll tell you what, even in a church, you'll have to work to get it God-centered instead of self-centered. There, there are people in the church who really honestly uh, behave as if it's kind of a, their own private country club that, and they get to have it be the way they want it to be. And instead of saying, no, this is a divine institution uh, bought and paid for by God, and he has a right to make it do whatever he wants it to do, whether we like it or not. And so sometimes as a leader, you've got to, to push back to say, uh, I just don't feel like my, maybe it's a publicly traded company and, and our shareholders are delighted with our profits. But, but I tell you what, some of the corners we've been cutting, some of the lies we've been telling, some of the not uh, lack of follow through, keeping our word. I just have to sense God's not pleased with that. And yeah. we need to behave with more integrity. And so uh, sometimes even in a publicly traded company, uh, it's still a great question to ask, is God pleased with how we're running this business and the way we're treating employees and the way we treat our customers, uh, the, the quality of product that we're selling to people are we are we following through with the way we're advertising this and uh, certainly when god is pleased with your company with your church with your organization uh then you you want the blessing of god upon whatever it is that you lead and ultimately that's up to the the leader to put those those god glasses on to say well from my perspective things look pretty nice but I start to look at the same organization the way God would look at it with what he values. And I begin to feel a little uncomfortable, like um, I'm not sure he's as happy with this as, as I was. Yeah, well, these these are um, just some fantastic reminders for any leader. Um, the, the way that you view your organization, the way that you view what it is that you do, thinking about the organization, but also the people, thinking about the future looking at the big picture and, and ultimately uh, seeing things from heaven's perspective, uh, I think is just a great reminder for all of us. And uh, Richard, you, you wrote this blog at richardblackaby.com. You can find it there um, if you want to just read a, a more in-depth analysis. Uh, and he's Richard, you've written many other things mm -hmm. on the blog as well. You do some book reviews on there also. And uh, so I encourage you to check out uh, richardblackaby.com uh, for more uh thoughts on leadership and book reviews on leadership as well. And uh, thanks for joining us uh, for the first ever uh, Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast live stream and, and uh, for the 100th episode. Yeah. And thank you for listening in our podcast uh, week by week. We love hearing feedback from folks. Uh, yeah. I'm constantly getting emails from people or LinkedIn messages just saying I love the, the podcast. And uh, we, we always love to hear from folks. And uh, yeah. And love it when people will email, message us, and and just submit a question. Say, sometime I love for just to hear your thoughts on this issue, and 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 we'll try to get to those as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, we do as much as we can, and and uh, you know, ratings and reviews are helpful for us. Yeah, um, it's sort of how you can thank us for what we're doing, and uh, even though you know we don't, there's not a whole lot of back and forth necessarily on the traditional podcast, but it's it's a way to to help us continue to do what we do. 
And uh, so with that, uh, we'll sign off and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.